this is Brent Ryu, and you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You've been hearing album Spotlight in the new music slot, 6 to 6.30. We've been hearing new music from Yola Tango, the I Am Not Afraid of You and I Will Beat Your Ass album due in stores September 12th. Hope you've enjoyed what you've been hearing. Stay tuned very shortly. Gray Matters. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And after a week off, I'm Jim Dwyer. And of course, the president tried to take a couple of weeks off, but I think events in the Middle East are a little too perilous for him to do so. And Oh, he had one of those classic uh, news conferences today that I was actually accidentally uh, able to hear in the morning. struck me that he started out a little... Petulant and, uh, to use William F. Buckley's favorite word, truculent. <laughs> well, petulant, he does. He yeah. does that well. He does that well. But then he sort of settled into his uh, traditional frat boy wise guy act. Uh, it's pretty scary when you uh, hear phrases like, I talk to a lot of people. Well, he talks to a lot of people that agree with him. That's, that's all he talks to. Or, we're not leaving Iraq so long as I'm president. Uh, so that right there to, can tell us, the American taxpayers and the American people, that we will be uh, in Iraq till January 21st of 2009 and that another $500 billion will be spent on the war total. Minimum. Um, scary. And th- those are just... Money numbers. I mean, those aren't numbers that involve uh, fatalities, maimings, casualties, or the numbers of people who live in that part of the world who will increasingly hate the nation. And, of course, his optimism now is uh, behind a thing called Plan Baghdad, as he put it. Plan B? That's code for Plan B. Um, And it's got some bizarre oxymoron name like moving forward. (laughs) Together forward or something like that. It's it's one operation. Of those things looking okay. <laughs> Classic nonsense. And of course, uh, he was uh, able to get in on the act with uh, Assad of uh, Syria and Nasrallah last week, uh, opining on the situation in Lebanon uh, with just totally naive, uh, a totally naive understanding. He said, "We want an international force to take over there." While well, the French have offered two hundred soldiers, um, and there are apparently some problems with some of the Muslim countries that have offered uh, UN peacekeepers. So Israel it, won't accept countries you know. that don't have diplomatic relations with Israel uh, as part of a peacekeeping force. Where do these peacekeeping forces come from? Well, what is it, American Samoa, uh, the uh, regular mini kind of quasi-states that consistently vote with the United States and Israel uh, overturning Security Council resolutions against uh, Israeli occupation practices. Maybe these nations need to step up. Where is the coalition of the willing? <laughs> the coalition of the killing. Uh, apparently, in late-breaking news, though, Italy has apparently yeah. agreed to step forward in some manner, but the uh, carnage from this... Uh, Recent Israeli war. It was interesting that Israel, 
is not out there claiming victory. Um, they're actually doing some self-examination, self-criticism. And as I pointed out last week, Olmart may be the uh, first casualty of this war. It's interesting that Hezbollah, uh, despite their despicable uh, behavior in this uh, conflict, was quickly in on the ground uh, with aid, offering to rebuild. Um, perhaps we should uh, put Hezbollah on boats outside the city of New Orleans uh, and uh, maybe bomb New Orleans with our Air Force for maybe some practice. And then Hezbollah can actually get in on rebuilding America um, because uh, Bush was asked some questions in the wake of the near one-year anniversary of Katrina, what the heck's going on in New Orleans, and Bush seemed to kind of flounder around. Um, he talks to a lot of people, but he doesn't really know. Looking like the catfish that he is. I'm, I've actually come to the conclusion that Bush is America's pet goat. <laughs> and that, of course, is the book that he was reading on 9-11 to those school children. That's right. Well, of course, people who uh, read uh, have access to online, which, of course, anybody with uh, access to the Internet does. Uh, the Israeli press is itself much more critical of Israeli policies, both military and domestic uh, civilian, uh, than the American media is. And there has been a lot of questioning of what is seen in some quarters of the Israeli media as a sort of a military takeover uh, during this recent war that that Omar was pushed by the military into, uh, you know, re waging this war at the intensity level in which it was waged. And, of course, uh, now in the wake of this kind of botched commando raid, there are, again, some uh, major concerns uh, within the Israeli military about what went wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And I've, I, we can talk about that a little bit later. I've got some interesting and potentially uh, troubling uh, ponderings about uh, some of the details of that uh, commando raid. But uh, I encourage listeners to uh, try to read things like Haaretz online and uh, see the kind of questions that the Israeli media puts forward to its own government. It's really something that the American media could learn a lot from. Yeah, because Bush was throwing lots of softballs in today's uh, sure. press conference. I don't know why anybody asked a question about presidential pardons. Talk about a minor, irrelevant subject. But, I mean, the carnage in, in Lebanon is just staggering when you look at the details. Um, by the way, the basically the s second worst uh, oil environmental disaster in the history of the world, um, this oil spill is threatening... Well, it's already uh, apparently damaging parts of Lebanon, but it apparently uh, can now affect places as far away as Greece, Cyprus, and Turkey, as well as Syria. Um, Israel seems to have no remorse over this uh, terrible um, targeting of this uh, fuel depot that, uh, of course, spilled into the Mediterranean Sea. Well, in fact, they're actually threatening to uh, attack infrastructure again. Uh, in an article in today's uh, Financial Times, um, Eli Yishai, a trade minister uh, in the Israeli government, said this, uh, accusing the Lebanese uh, government of failing to halt arms shipments, which is the excuse or reason, rationale, whatever you want to call it, given for this commando raid. Eli uh, Yishai said, we must give 
him, Signora, the uh, Israeli Prime Minister, an ultimatum to either stop the arms smuggling from Iran through Syria to Hezbollah, or his infrastructure will be damaged. Well, he should say is his infrastructure will be damaged again, or still worse than it already has been. Um, and of course, what to what extent Israel is able to prove that uh, what they were attacking was an arms shipment? I mean, there are there's regular commercial uh, commerce between nations mm -hmm. uh, that could involve things like produce or you know cotton. Um, maybe there are arms shipments, and if so, that that deserves scrutiny and attention. But uh, with no proof, it's it's a kind of a bizarre claim to make. Yeah, and of course, as I noted last week, I thought that the only winners in this, uh, quote, war were the American arms manufacturers because, of course, Israel will be replenished uh, not only with cluster bombs, but uh, as we noted a couple of weeks ago, Saudi Arabia is going to get uh, a tidy little $4 billion arms uh, sale agreement uh, that Bush threw in in the midst of the Lebanese war, apparently to placate right. Saudi criticism. Um, one of the interesting things about war, modern war, that uh, I always come back to is to contrast this idea of total victory. The way the media portrays this as a baseball game, football game, whatever, sporting event, boxing match, you name it. It's always uh, Look for the total knockout. Yeah, the knockout, the... Uh, who are the winners, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that's always striking to me as I read uh, more and more history throughout my life is, is the difference uh, in, the, in the modern world that we live in compared to what happened in World War II. To defeat J Japan and Germany, the Allied forces literally used a concept of total war, total destruction. Uh, if you've seen the documentary Fog of War, one of the most poignant thing is are those Japanese cities that were firebombed by um, the American Air Force during World War II as they put up the equivalent of American cities in terms of population uh, of, of cities that were literally totally leveled uh, because the cities in Japan were made out of wood due to the uh, earthquake-prone area that Japan um, geologically experiences, um, and this idea of total war during World War II was not an, a, an unquestioned thing. I bring this up, oddly enough, because of all the controversy surrounding Gunter Grass. Perhaps you saw over your holiday that uh, he is now confessing to uh, being a member of the Waffen-SS in Germany as a youth. He, of course, was drafted, but this is uh, rather shocking news regarding Gunter Grass, uh, a Nobel literary uh, winner. and Great writer. One of the modern consciences of Germany who sure. talks at great length about the Allied war crimes against Germany uh, in some of his books. But this total war concept during that period before the modern media with television... Um, not really even existing, mm -hmm. um, is, is, is so much different now because now the media can cover uh, and, and even the Internet can cover um, the absolute destruction that's occurring. Back in the 40s, um, most Americans were just unaware of what really was going on um, as far as the destruction of the Axis powers. And indeed, they did 
at some level deserved to be destroyed the way they were. They were ruthless empires with <laughs> ruthless uh, ideologies behind their warmongering um and their own incredible violence. Yeah, their own sure. incredible violence. I mean, people forget that uh, Japan killed an estimated 10 million people in China as it occupied Manchuria. And, of course, the carnage between the um, former Soviet Union and Germany is absolutely incredible. Staggering. When you read about the destruction of uh, Russia by Germany, in which 15 million houses were destroyed, 12 million livestock, a war front that went 2,200 miles long. It's absolutely incredible. So this battle of World War II, which really was a total war, allowed there to be a decisive victory. Uh, unconditional surrender became a concept that the Allied governments agreed to and ultimately forced Germany and Japan to submit to. Well, modern warfare doesn't work like that. The United States and Israel can bomb um, countries really with impunity. There's no anti-aircraft equipment that these folks have in Afghanistan, Lebanon, Iraq, uh, Somalia, whatever, uh, where the American Air Force decides to go in. And, of course, the fog of war is about... Robert McNamara's involvement in the Allied bombing of Japan. He worked as an assistant to Curtis LeMay. His specialty, of course, was picking out... Selecting targets for the A-bombs. You got it. And Curtis LeMay, of course, is spoofed in Dr. Strangelove as uh, General Jack D. Ripper, famously played by Sterling Hayden. But I think that this problem of modern warfare is just simply not present in our cultural debate about what war means, uh, why America is having trouble on the ground in Iraq, why Israel could not go into Lebanon despite bombing uh, Beirut and many parts of southern Lebanon without much opposition. Once they went in on the ground, they were confronted with a, you know, a counterforce that equalize the terms a little bit. And this is why invasions of countries on the ground <laughs> really are doomed to fail. Uh, this, of course, was Hitler's grand mistake in World War II, trying to invade the Soviet Union. And the destruction that occurred is absolutely amazing. Uh, if you read uh, APJ Taylor's, uh, the British historian's uh, history of World War II, the first uh, couple of paragraphs are mind-boggling. Uh, in reference to the destruction uh, that occurred in the former Soviet Union. Americans don't understand this sort of destruction. Uh, we like to think of 9-11 as some exceptional event. Uh, and while 9-11 was certainly uh, an exceptional event in American history, compared to some of the carnage globally, it just doesn't stack up to much. One hesitates to use the phrase run of the mill, but sadly, um, I think it is appropriate when uh, you think about the the kind of carnage that uh, does occur, has occurred, and apparently uh, will continue to occur. And it occurs to me that as you speak there about the concept of total war and the world in which we live in today, that as you say, America and Israel have the military strength and capacity to bomb with impunity. Uh, and it's we've reached a point now where there is really nothing to stop brute force except conscience. 
and world opinion. Exactly. And when, for example, we can only imagine how this may have played out, but had Americans seen footage of Dresden or Tokyo or any of these other uh, cities uh, badly bombed, would they have felt the same way about those dirty Japs uh, as you know you see in, in all the films of the era with the gung-ho patriotism and so forth? Um, of course, this is something that the American military uh, cringes about still with the so-called Vietnam Syndrome, that uh, America lost the war because they lost the will to adequately execute the war. Um, and I think that demonstrates uh, virtues in the American character that when you, you know, I was, I'm old enough to remember it, certainly you are, seeing footage from Vietnam on TV on the evening news uh, was part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the first Gulf War in the early 90s came around, there was all this talk about, well, we've got to control it and clinically sanitize it and we'll show you the cool promo videos of missile technology and, you know, cameras mounted right on missiles as they go down chimneys um but the the brutality the human cost the the beastliness of innocent civilian victims who uh inevitably make up the preponderance of body counts um people basically are good and they don't like that and they don't like it when their governments do that and to hear bush say today in his press conference that he wished more people felt differently about the war, um, that he can understand why they are impatient, that people want things to happen quickly. Uh, well, I don't think that's really the, the case. It, it's about the killing. It's about the maiming. Yeah, and Bush doesn't understand public opinion either. Um, I've always noted, uh, maybe perhaps on this show and certainly to some of the arguments that I make with my friends, that uh, before the war in Iraq actually started, the support for going into Iraq with uh, sort of an understanding of the consequences of a long, expensive occupation was actually only 53 to 35. 35 percent of the American public was skeptical of this war from day one. This, by the way, is a huge contrast compared to Vietnam. When the Vietnam War started in earnest, because, of course, the United States had been involved uh, in all sorts of perfidity um, in Vietnam in the 50s, uh, late 40s, French, right. um, you know, sabotaging elections, partitioning the country, canceling the results of election when Ho Chi Minh won, etc. But when the war first started in earnest in 64, the uh, American um, dissent was, was less than 10%. So Bush doesn't understand that a good third of the American population was opposed to this war from the get-go. And a 53 to 35% uh, approval concept on going into war does not, to me, suggest a, a massive support of the American people and is why this war has, has failed for Mr. Bush. We're now seeing polls showing that 60% of the American people, more now, think the war was a mistake. Only 35% now support it. So you can see that there's a 20, 15 to 20% of the population that has flip-flopped on the war. Uh, they finally come to their senses, and they finally come to recognize that these policies are doomed to fail. Now, look at the just the sort of rough damage to Lebanon in this war. Uh, it's barely noted. Uh, the American media is far more interested in the John Benet uh, Ramsey case. Ramsey case. I 
and I, I can't even remember the name of that nerd uh, possible uh, criminal that's uh, involved in this case because he's either uh, trying to become a movie star, as one uh, sarcastic commentator noted, or he's you know an, a very evil, a child killer. Yeah, right? he's a child killer who seems to wear his pants rather high. He reminds me a little bit of Todd from the old okay. Saturday. <laughs> this is Lube. Bill Murray. Right. Yeah. Pull those pants up. Pizza a face. Little a pizza face. Yeah. Pull those pants up a little higher, dude. Um, whatever. But yeah, the media over the last week is far more interested in this saga of uh, John Benet than it is even to the extent of what he ate on the plane. Yeah, or drank. I heard a Jeez. brilliant. Uh, commentator um, today talking about the media's fascination with his his Chardonnay and his beer or whatever he had. (laughs) Absolute nonsense. But just, you know, the rough numbers. 1,100 civilians in Lebanon killed. Over 11,000 houses destroyed. I mean, this is real destruction. And, of course, the BBC... Roads, bridges. Bridges. The worst uh, environmental oil disaster since the Exxon Valdez. None of this this really seems to be registering with many Americans. Um, Bush views this as a victory, as as Hezbollah has been defeated. That was his argument. I mean, he got in line with boneheads like Assad and Nasrallah that were claiming victory for their side. Of course, it's a propaganda war. But this uh, war is a total failure for all parties concerned, and the cost of rebuilding um, both Israel and uh, Lebanon is staggering. Well, especially when you take into the uh, account uh, the cluster bombs, which yeah. are liberally sprinkled uh, across Lebanon. Uh, technically, they are legal under Geneva Conventions. Um, and Israel says it tried to avoid using them in civilian areas, but uh, there are, you know, case after during this so-called ceasefire, uh, increasing numbers of hospitalizations for people maimed and killed from cluster bomb refuse. So the costs will continue to mount. Yeah, and I, by the way, I've just finished in total this book, Cobra 2, by uh, Michael Gordon and Bernard Trainer, General Bernard Trainer, who are New York Times uh, military correspondents, the inside story of the invasion and occupation of Iraq. A fascinating book, uh, very mainstream in terms of its approach to uh, the total failures of the uh, Bush administration to understand what they were doing. Uh, there's, by the way, a new book out, that sounds like it may be even more critical, um, Thomas E. Ricks's fiasco. I've heard him on several interview programs recently. And uh, when he argues in the book that the invasion of Iraq, quote, was based on perhaps the worst war plan in American history, an incomplete plan that confused removing Iraq's regime with the far more difficult task of changing the entire country, um, you get an uh, an idea uh, of how uh, boneheaded this uh, Iraq war is. Bush's assertion, by the way, that Hezbollah and Hamas are somehow threats to America is just a lie. Uh, Hezbollah, to my knowledge, has only attacked America once. That was when we put troops in to Beirut back in 1982-83 in support of Israel's uh, attempt to uh, ethnically cleanse southern Lebanon of Palestinians that had fled there 
in several stages, most of uh, which were Israeli aggression of southern Lebanon and parts of so-called Palestine is way back into the 40s. Right. Over 100,000 Palestinians fled um, Palestine um, in response to the 48-47 war. And, of course, thousands more fled uh, Jordan during the... Uh, 67 war. The, the 67 war and also the Black September uh, situation right. in, in 1970. Five. So uh, Israel's, uh, and when I say ethnically cleanse, of course, this is not a, a term uh, that is ever used in characterizing what Israel does. Um, it's always, uh, they're protecting their security. They have a right to defend themselves. We know the script that Bush is so adept at reading from, but it is a script. It doesn't tell the entire truth. You have to look at the big picture, uh, folks, and... Read Cobra 2, read this. I'm going to read the, the new books by uh, the new book fiasco by Thomas Ricks, the Washington Post correspondent that works with Walter Pincus and has outstanding sources uh, in the in the uh, uh, Pentagon. And the, the generals are beginning to speak, uh, speak out. Uh, they are the ones that were forced into this boneheaded war plan adopted by Rumsfeld and Tommy Franks. And George Bush, of course, merrily went along with the rosy case scenario. Dick Cheney, of course, put in the neoconservatives uh, in all these key positions in the state defense and Pentagon that uh, spun the war uh, for Bush's political and Condoleezza Rice's sales job. Snow job is a better word. While you're mentioning a couple of uh, titles worthy of uh, listeners' consideration, I'm going to also quickly mention a book called Sharon and My Mother-in-Law by a Palestinian architect, a woman named uh, Suad Amiri. She was actually interviewed down here on the Living Writers program uh, earlier this year and, in fact, uh, for a time attended the University of Michigan. This is an excellent book uh, because it's easy to read and a lot of people are intimidated by the complexity of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, but this is uh, a, a very personal account of the complications and frustrations of living with occupation. And the title uh, refers to a 42-day curfew period in which uh, this woman's mother-in-law had to come and live with them. And the kind of humorous uh, aspects of the book, you know, saying that, oh, I don't know what I hate Sharon uh, for more. You know, uh, bulldozing uh, olive uh, trees in my grandfather's orchards or compelling my mother-in-law to have to come live with us for 42 days. <laughs> um, it's an amusing and, you know, strangely amusing book, but it's also, I think, a real eye-opener for people who might otherwise be intimidated uh, by reading about this particular uh conflict. It's subtitled Ramallah Diaries, and it's a quick read. I've uh, plowed through it over my uh, vacation. And, of course, in the last week, we've seen other examples of the Bush administration uh, seeking what is really scary about the war, uh, the seizure of more and more executive power. Um, Bush denounces the uh, decision on uh, the wiretapping law. Right. The Bush administration has never, at any time, explain to the American people why the emergency aspects of the 78 FISA law were, are inadequate to, quote, protect America. just hasn't done it uh, because it's been pointed out over and over that there have only been five exceptions. 
and those were all sort of bureaucratic snafus. I mean, the the court involved in FISA is, is essentially a rubber stamp anyway. Mm-hmm. But the Bush administration... Not good enough. Not good enough. Deliberately lied to the American people about seeking war- warrants in this uh, realm of uh, executive power grabbing. I noticed you have a little article there about the National Guard, right? Well, uh, congratulations to Gr- Jennifer Granholm for saying hell no, <laughs> because the assertion is just ludicrous. I mean, look at the uh, Katrina situation. The National Guard was in Iraq. Yeah, and the <laughs> argument is that uh, more uh, executive, chief executive control over the uh, state guards would, would prevent such things as the Katrina debacle from happening. And now there's an article in today's Ann Arbor News. The Bush administration is seeking to reclassify information that was once shared with the USSR about uh, missile numbers. This is old information. Why reclassify it? Why more secrecy? Yeah, well, they're trying to, recla- they're trying to reclassify documents that have already been published in the pub- public realm. I mean, the secrecy... Uh, and the so-called declassification classification uh, proposals of the Bush administration are mind-boggling. If you go back and actually check the explosion of attempted secrecy and cover-ups, cover-ups about the weapons of mass destruction, baloney, you name it, yeah. every aspect of this war uh, has dishonesty written all over it. We've got uh, just a very little time left, but I want to quickly get this in because this may be resolved uh, or uncovered by next week. Uh, Reading from the Financial Times, reports that the Israeli commandos uh, who uh, did this quick strike wore Lebanese army uniforms, possibly in violation of the Geneva Convention, I'm reading from the Financial Times, uh, could add another dimension to the raid. In uh, today's New York Times, there's also a short article about two Fox News journalists who were abducted in Gaza as they... uh, filmed and covered fighting between Israel and Palestinians. It said they were seized by masked gunmen. No group has claimed responsibility. Um, All uh, Palestinian uh, representatives of organizations are saying this is bad, this is not good for Gaza. If... The, and, you know, maybe it is Palestinian uh, groups. Who knows? But if the Israeli army is capable of donning Lebanese uniforms uh, for their commando raid, I'd like to know what was in the camera, what was being filmed. Maybe these masked gunmen are, in fact, Israeli military. And who maybe knows? maybe the kidnapping <laughs> that started the whole thing uh, in, in with respect to Lebanon and Israel never even happened. Um, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Too many weird, weird questions and uh previous agendas well uh it's seven o'clock and uh i guess we uh, have more time no. oh i guess we are completely out of time well i'll save this uh, police speed item for next week that's rather amusing we'd like to thank Chaz for engineering uh once again this evening on gray matters do stay tuned yazoo city calling coming up next right here on wcbn fm ann arbor This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets. Swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingual, spree doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling.